0: mm mm-hmm. If you know anything about me, I usually teach in series. Uh, I have so much to share, I usually don't get done in one service, so I'm glad God called me to be a pastor because I got next Sunday. So I started this the first Sunday in June, so all summer uh, I did take a vacation a couple of weeks. and uh, But other than that, uh, I've been talking about preparing yourself for Jesus' return. How many know Jesus is coming back? You know, uh, Peter said, caught scoffers would come in the last day saying where is the promise of his coming for all things continue as they were from the foundations of the earth in an unceasing way Uh, but it also says God's not willing that any should perish and go to hell but all should come to repentance so if Jesus coming is delayed it's only for the sake of those who don't know Jesus right so we just need to be aware of that so I've been talking about what it looks like for Jesus to come back I spent several weeks um You know, just talking about that, and it it looks like we really could be the generation that that could see Jesus come back. Would that be exciting? It's both exciting and scary to me because it's like, wow, you're really coming back, huh? Uh, Because it's going to change the dynamic of life. It's going to change what we value and what we do and how we do it. It's going to change how we think and how we proceed forward. So just understand the time of the second coming of Christ is is a time of uh, upheaval. It's a time of calamity. It's a time of challenge. And it'll bring everybody to the brink. And the whole goal is that no one would go to hell but everybody goes to heaven because Jesus wants everybody to receive him. Yes or no? So you may be watching online, you're in the room, and you're not sure what you want to do because you're still in the flesh. Well, see, God understands you, and he understands your habits. He understands where you've been and the influences in your life. But I want you to know he's stronger than every negative influence that you've ever allowed in your life. Yes or no? He broke the power of addictions in my life in so many ways. It's just, I'm just so thankful to him and uh, he'll do that for you too so we're we're talking about uh what it looks like for Jesus to come back uh, and, and how to prepare. Uh, the Bible says it is a time of judgment. One of the major doctrines of Scripture, I've repeated these things so much in the past, is the uh, doctrine of eternal judgment. People don't think, see, people don't equate a loving God with, with judgment, but we just saying that our God is a consuming fire and fire is a purifier. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back to right every wrong and he's coming back to kick the usurper called Satan out of this, uh, out of his territory, out of God's territory, which is planet Earth, and place him where he belongs in a, in a bottomless pit where he'll fall forever and ever, and in the in the lake of fire, and uh, and and then also rid the earth of all the demonic forces and all of the human personalities that they use to bring satan's will to pass how many know his his days are numbered and his doom is sure is that good news so that's what end times is all about and jesus return is all about and i always augment this by saying you know god could say hold it up i know it looks like we're proceeding rapidly towards uh the return of my son but it's just stop angel stop stop jesus stop nobody knows the day or hour but god the father and he could easily say, even though we think, and it looks like, Jesus could come back sooner rather than later, understand God could put a stop on it and say, uh-uh, uh I ain't ready. And we just keep on a little while longer. Is that right? So just be aware of that. But it looks like things are really lining up. I mentioned that last week. Uh, I talked about Matthew 24 a little bit last week. There is a global antichrist government that is arising worldwide. Have you, are you aware of that? And there's one word that bespeaks what that looks and feels like, and it's control. The enemy wants to control. Even personally, see, the enemy wants to control you with all kinds of vices and all kinds of habits that will hinder you and keep you from being the best that God created you to be. Yes or no? See, that's that's the enemy's plan for your life. But the global government's all about control, all the way from health to your money, how you spend it, education, information, you name it. Uh, tyranny is, is, is what that global governance is all about. And it feels like that's encroaching and it could be sooner rather than later at the same time see in juxtaposition to that the power of God is manifesting and God is calling his people to prayer again we're having prayer meetings here Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon and then we pray pre-service on Sundays 8.15 we changed it so come and pray with us and uh, let's believe God for some great things I think we may even have more prayer meetings as we get closer to Jesus returning as the Lord deals with us but come and, and pray with us why why do you need to pray with others it'll stir up your own personal prayer life and show you how to pray yourself how many hear me uh, uh, Old Testament uh, among god's covenant people uh it was said of them one can put a thousand of the enemy to flight or run them off and two can put ten thousand so when you gang your efforts together in prayer how many know a lot can be accomplished for the kingdom of god and and it'll rub off on you so i've prayed with people all of my spiritual life i'll be in jesus what is it Set 47 years next month And uh, you know, you gotta learn how to pray with others. So come and pray with us because uh, it will really help you. This is also a time of God's miracle working power worldwide. Don't get the idea in your head as things turn weird and and life goes south and it looks like, you know, problems are coming and the financial markets are failing and, and the food problems may arise. Whatever that Jesus said would come, understand that we are covenant people in the middle of a fallen world. And God has promised to keep his eye on us, watch over us. Don't forget, in the time of famine in Joseph's day, God supernaturally made a way for his covenant people. Yes or no? In the time of Moses, I preached all this before. Time of Moses, it was a time of judgment against the ten God, major gods that the Egyptians worship. God made a way for his people and that stuff didn't touch God's people in a certain parcel of land in Egypt as, as those uh, judgments came how many know God provided for Elijah the prophet through a beak a, a bird's beak brought his food on a bird's beak can you believe it so I mean I figure if God's got to have a, a stray dog come in my yard with a bag in his mouth whatever's necessary God's gonna make a way because you're a covenant person is that right you say well I don't have money to pay my bills if you're trusting God and living right and seeking first the kingdom kingdom and not being stupid then you know what you could find the money laying anywhere Jesus told him to go fish and doggone if if Peter didn't catch a fish and in the fish's mouth was enough money to pay the Roman taxes I mean I reckon if necessary the money could just fall out of the sky or or a bird lands and and you know instead of pooping there's some money I, I don't know I just know God is in the miracle working business And you can expect God to supernaturally supply. I've spent the last two Sundays talking about an element of life that is really, really important. And that is learning to walk by faith. How many hear me? And so I want to talk about that a little bit more here uh, today. Um, Most people walk in hope and not faith. So, so I really want to hone in. I'm, I'm trying to be as practical as I, as I can. So it's taken a little bit of time. I didn't plan on going Sunday after Sunday teaching about faith in the middle of this. But in our future, see, the victory that overcomes the world or the stuff that rises up against life and makes it hard is faith everybody say faith so, so it's an amazing substance if you know how to use what god gave you now now we're saved by faith in fact uh, i've covered three points in detail and i'm going to point four today the first one is the new testament emphasizes living by faith so we're saved by grace through faith ephesians 2 8 none of this is in the notes i'm just kind of freewheeling for a moment. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit through faith. Galatians 3, uh, receive ye the works of the law, um, uh, uh, the Spirit by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. Well, again, it's faith to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you want to receive healing from Jesus, it's, you have to exercise faith. Faith overcomes the world. 1 John 5, 4 says, faith is a shield. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, we're to, we're to fight the good fight of faith. You don't fight with uh, machine guns and, and uh, all kinds of uh, personal armament. We fight with faith, fight the good fight of faith, Ephesians 6 12. And then, then we're to walk by faith. And, uh, and not by feelings or not by sight. So uh, again, Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. So God has given us a measure of faith that he operates in for us to navigate through life in a fallen world. And so as things turn south and look dim and look bad, we can keep our heads up. We know Jesus is coming back. But he's also promised to provide and supply for us as things get weird, Right? Is that good news? Second point uh, that I've covered is living by faith means taking God at his word even when you don't see it working or feel like it's making a difference. You believe what God says, period. So let me ask you a question. I was studying yesterday thinking about all this and this question came to me. How, How would you respond if someone came up to you, if I came up to you and said, what scripture are you standing on to receive from God whatever you need? Maybe you have a problem. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a circumstantial issue. It could be a, a financial problem. What, you, if I ask you, what scripture are you standing on to, for, for God to see you through? If you said, well, not any in particular, well, that's what you'll get. Nothing in particular. Do you get that? So, so, see, faith in God... It's not this nebulous thing that you can't put your hands on. Faith in God is really faith in his word, right? So having faith in Jesus is having faith in the word of God. Jesus, don't forget, is the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the living word. You're putting your faith in the word, you're putting your faith in Jesus, right? Uh, uh, spending some time in the word is spending time with Jesus, now, I just see Holy Spirit tags me when I'm teaching. See, here's, here's where we're getting off in the modern culture. You know, we, we've got movements going on right now. We've got a, we've got a praise movement. I think it's wonderful. We've got a casting the devil out of people movement. You can see it on, on, online, right? You've got all these little movements and stuff, you know. But What, 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 what you've got to realize, you want to keep your eyes on Jesus. How many hear me? He's the word. And, and, and these movements, see, if you're not careful, they'll get your eyes off the main thing. The word of God's the main thing in your life as a believer. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, then you will be my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John 8, 31 and 32, right? So, so praise and worship's great. I love to worship. I do worship. We had some outstanding worship today, would you say? How about give the choir and uh, Joshua a hand? They did a great job. <laughs> Glory, see? But we don't just worship here. Worship's just a part of life. But it's, part, it's just a part of the whole, right? And, you know, demonic influences. I mean, listen, I've been to quite a few nations in the world and cast demons out of people. But see, that's not the main thru- thrust of my ministry. No, the main thrust is ministering the Word, and, and the main part of your life as a believer is, is getting the Word inside of you because it's the Word that changes us. It's the Word that causes us to grow. It's the Word that develops us. It's line upon line. It's precept upon precept, right here, a little, there, a little. So again, um, living by faith means taking God at his word even when you don't see it working or feel that it's making a difference. And I've mentioned 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we don't look at the troubles we cannot see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things which we see now will soon be gone, but the things we can't see will last forever so you know when I read that the question that comes to me is how can I fix my gaze my focus on things I can't see Uh, well he's not talking about these eyes He's talking about putting your focus on the Word of God. And when you first start believing God's Word for your life, it doesn't seem to be real. It doesn't seem like it's working, but you focus on what God says. For instance, when I first came to Jesus, I felt like I was the most unworthy person in the world for God to love. I felt like I was not accepted by God. I felt like he was angry with me. And it it has a lot to do with the kind of personality I have. I have a perfect perfectionistic little twinge about me particularly for myself and how I do and how I act in life and if I don't do it just right I just get all over me i get all over me worse than anybody else and i was constantly doing that but see the word of god when i started focusing on the word focusing my gaze focusing my attention on what god said about me i found out that he loved me any even when i failed i found out that a righteous person falls seven times and rises up again the book of proverbs says i found out that he said to peter peter i prayed for you that your faith fail not when you're converted strengthen the brother so so my lack of, of doing everything I ought to do. It doesn't keep God from loving me. The fact are he loves me in my mess. And I mentioned last week he used Peter to preach a sermon on the, on, the, uh, on, on the day of Pentecost when the baptism with the Holy Spirit fell on the crowd of 120 in the upper room. And he preached a powerful sermon and thousands of people were converted from Judaism to Christianity. It was a miracle of all miracles and God used the most unseemly person, the one that denied him in front of everybody, see? What does that tell you? God loves you even if you don't love you. And see, I used to call myself all kind of horrible names to my, you old jerk, you louse, you idiot, you you piece of dirt. And God said, you stop doing that. You're my workmanship created in Christ Jesus to good works. And then I didn't feel like I was accepted by the Lord. And I read in Ephesians 1, 6, I'm accepted in the beloved, Right? See, see, so, 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 so to start with, you may feel, you may feel like you don't count. Maybe, maybe you feel like you've done too many bad things. God doesn't see you that way. He sees you in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. Old things pass away. All things become new, right? Now, see, that's living and walking by faith. That's one area of life. That's for your personal life. It's for your conduct. Is how you live, how you think about yourself. How you think about yourself has a lot to do with how you relate to others, and how you communicate with them, right? How you interact with them. It has a lot to do with what kind of job you do on, on your in your employment. Is that right? What you think about yourself. So, what does God do? Well, Jesus takes us, he says, Let me let me get you out of the dirt and the mud you've been in, and let me place your feet on a rock. Let me let me place you not just there, let me clean you up, and then let me give you a chair right beside me. And he seats us in heavenly places in Christ. He makes us in an equal footing with him. He is the head, we're the body of Christ. Woo! isn't that awesome so that's what i'm talking about walking by faith start with you got to chunk all you think about you and you got to say god what you said about me makes more difference than anything in the world right and you just extrapolate that out into every other area of life third point i have made in the past is living by faith means believing right now everybody say right now right or oh, we say it in south carolina say right now right now, right now. R-A-T, rat, rat now, (laughs) that what God says in the Bible is true, even if it contradicts what you see and feel. And last Sunday, I went into detail on this, and I got one more point about this we got to get. Hebrews eleven one 1, now. Everybody say now. now. So if it's not now, it's not faith. Now, faith is the substance. Faith is two things. It's the substance of things hoped for. And then it's the evidence of things that you can't see. So living by faith means you believe that right now, not sometime in the future, you have what God promised you. You're not looking to get it one day. You believe you got it now. So, so see, see, faith, so, so, so faith takes what is in the future and brings it now. So I, I made three points out of Hebrews 11 one last week. And, and the first one is what I just said. Faith is now. Everybody say faith is now you know first Corinthians 13 and now now abide faith hope and love the greatest of these is love of course but then faith and hope should not be discounted so um most Christians listen are living in hope and not faith hope is like a dream you ever dreamed a dream and, and like you know you're sitting on this uh, hammock and the wind is blowing and it's like 80 degrees, 75, 80 degrees. You're on a desert island. The sky is blue, not a cloud. And the sun is shining. The birds, you can hear them in the background chirping in the trees. And you got your favorite little tea, iced tea beverage, and you're, you're <laughs> sipping on that, and you're listening to some nice music, and, and you're swaying in the breeze, and life couldn't be more wonderful. Look out the distance. You got the blue water in the ocean. You got white sand. You got, got the idea? Boy, you're dreaming about that like, mm, 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 life couldn't be better. And then all of a sudden, bah, 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 and the alarm wakes you. Where am I? Where am I? You know what happened to that dream? Poof. It's gone. That's hope. Hope is like a dream. There's no substance to it, right? So see, if, if all you're living in is hope, there's no substance. It's not working. I've talked to a lot of people, and I did my best to help them get into faith, but I could tell when they left me they never got what I said. They never got it. you got to learn to take your hope and grab it with faith and pull it, to you, pull it from the future into the present. So faith is now. Secondly, last week I said faith is a title deed. Uh, for what you have asked for I went into the Greek language a little bit Uh, you may not see it you may not feel it but it exists and faith is the title deed that says even though you can't see the answered prayer you can't feel the healing that you've prayed and asked for you can't you don't have the money in your bank account that you asked for the circumstance hasn't changed a bit you can't see it uh, you can't feel it it's not apparent that it has changed faith grabs the hope that it will and brings it to now and says i believe it's mine now and faith gives substance to the hope or faith gives the title that means it's as much yours now as though you could see it even though you couldn't now watch this when i'm in faith when i get into faith about something i'm as excited now as i would be if suddenly it manifested and see, the challenge of it is it makes the, the, the receiving it almost anticlimactic. That is, that is, you should be just, woo, I got it, woo, God answered prayer, hip, hip, hooray. But you've been hip, hip, hooraying for days or weeks or months because you expect and you act as much as you can like it's yours even when you can't see or feel it. Do you get that? Did you get that? You're mighty quiet. You're just listening, right? See, that's how it works. I've believed God for healing for my body and stood against some terrible, awful, back pain is some of the worst. Would you agree? If you've ever had it, it's like hell on wheels, boy. It's tough stuff. Sciatica, How? Oh. And then they had a term, you know, you got this little, uh, you got this little um, uh, tube that your sciatic nerve is in and mine are too small. And they said, well, you got this problem, name the name. I said, I'm not going to go out and grab that one. No, I'm not going to claim that package. From the UPS truck from hell. Mm-mm. No. I said, no, I won't. I said, mm-hmm. All I said, mm-hmm. They said, you're going to have problems with your sciatic nerve on that left side? It's going to wear your tail out. And I said, hmm Mm-mm. you know you don't cast your furls before swine or people that don't understand i think you cuckoo and then you know say some outlandish thing. so i said hmm, hmm. no i think i'm gonna be fine thank you faith no so secondly faith is the title deed that what you've asked for is yours now it 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 gives tangibility to what you've asked for so you can actually be excited when you can't see it right right it's just amazing how it works. So, so uh, New Century Version is one of my faves on Hebrews 11. One. It says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. <laughs> Can you shout and praise God when it looks like nothing's working? Huh? See, that's test faith, isn't it? Uh, Dr. J. Oswald Sanders. If you can find any books by J. Oswald Sanders, you ought to scoop them up. Now, you can find them on Amazon. I have all of his books because I love that man. I never met him, but I love that man. I've read all of his books several times. He died in 1992. He was born in 1900, so he was, what, 92 when he died. But from him, he said this, Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present. I got to go slow. And the invisible as seen. <laughs> so you going through hell on wheels, but you just smiling. And somebody say, how you doing? You say, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Well, you know, this is going on, right? So, well, that's, that's what to say, yeah, yeah. Well, you got this going on. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like you're limping there mighty bad, bubs. You're hurting, right? Well, that's what the doctor says. My body says that according to God's word. He says, according to his word, himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses, right? And then one day you get up and it's all gone. Faith becomes sight. So faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present, the invisible as seen. So you think as though you have what you ask for. You talk as though you have what you ask the Lord for. Talk about how to walk by faith, and then you act as much as you can as though you had what you asked for. Now, if you've asked God for some finances, you can't go write a, a rubber check because it will bounce. If you write more more in, for, uh, on the check than is in your bank account, you're going to get into trouble. I had a pastor one. I shouldn't know if I'd tell you that one. Uh, 1993, anyway, I... Uh, I bought some uh, chairs. Actually, I sold some pews. We uh, renovated a church I was pastoring for another pastor while he's on the mission field. I told you the story before for those that have been here any length of time anyway. So uh, we sold the uh, pews we had in this building because we were renovating going to update it and all that, you know, and uh, while the pastor was gone, we worked it all out. And uh, anyway, I sold. I put them for sale, you know, and and then this guy calls and says, well, I'd, I'd like to buy the pews you have for sale because we had nice chairs like we got here and uh, and so you know he said he had the money yada yada he said well i want to write you a check and the check was uh, for quite a considerable sum of, sum of money i said uh, okay uh, all right and i had to go between you know helping us sell Guy said well the checks out looks to be okay well he wrote the check and uh and so you know we took the bank cash the check put it in the check and it bounced And guess what we had to do? We said, Mr. Sheriff's going to give you a call unless you do something about this. I know you're a pastor, but you need to make this right. He wrote a check. I guess he was... See, I think he prayed the prayer of faith and he was expecting the money to be in there. That's not what you do. Right? Faith is for what you don't have, but you believe you got. So don't be stupid. Let me go one other step. Uh, Faith is not for... Uh, a, a young man or even a girl say, I like that. The girl says, I like that hunk of man right there. He's going to be mine. He's a spiritual man. I want him to be my husband. I believe, Lord, I ask for him. I believe I receive him. You can't do that. <laughs> right? Huh? Or the boy's looking at a girl. Mm, she sure is pretty. I claim her in Jesus' name. Well, you know what? You, you look at her mom and dad, you might not want her. Or you look at his, his daddy, you might not want him. He's going to act like them. So watch what you're claiming and stuff. You can't do all that. No, faith is for things for you. Faith doesn't change other people. Faith changes you. Faith changes circumstances. God changes you, Right? Faith changes circumstances. Faith it's not for other people. And you can't believe this. See, you can do this personally. You can't make this always happen for somebody else, right? This is for things for you. So, so faith is the evidence that what you've asked for actually exists. Fourthly, and this is what I want to hone in today on, your faith and your words are inseparable. If I just hang out with you for a little while, I can tell what you believe by What you're saying. Right? Just the way it works. And I'm gonna skip uh Mr. Man putting the stuff on the on the screen. Uh I'm gonna skip down to the bottom of my notes here. Romans 10, 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Now watch this: whatever's in your heart comes out your mouth. So if faith's in my heart, it's gonna come out my mouth. If I never say anything about Jesus, is he in my heart? You got to ask that question. huh? If my actions never line up and my words never line up, but I say, well, I'm a believer, but I never act like it, never talk like it, there's incongruity there. Would you agree? Because he said, you know, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. And then Romans 10, just even to be saved, we prayed uh, some of you may have prayed with me earlier that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart. See, mouth and heart go together. Believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. With the heart, you believe to righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, right? That's the way it works. And then 2 Corinthians four thirteen: as since we have the same spirit of faith. Now, I like the way it says, the spirit of faith. According to what's written, I believed and therefore I spoke we also believe and therefore speak. So again, words and heart go together, right? And then Jesus said this in Matthew twelve thirty four: "Not Now, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart The mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that men may speak, they will give account in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. So words, see words, what's the the gist of that? Words come out of our heart. What we really believe comes out of our mouth. If it doesn't come out of my mouth, I'm really not believing it. Could you deduce that from that? Yes, you could. Yes, you could. So, again, in fact, James 3, James, half-brother of Jesus, compared our tongue to the bit in a horse's mouth. And if you've ever ridden a horse, you know, put the bridle, there's a place in his, his mouth for the bit and the bridle, and you pull on the reins of the horse, and you can direct his whole body. I've ridden horses when I was younger. And uh, sometimes I wish I hadn't, have, but I did because I did some really stupid things. But nonetheless, you know, the bit in a horse's mouth enables that horse to be guided. And the rudder in a ship, you know, the helmsman, he just turns the wheel and then the rudder turns on the back of the ship and directs its, uh, directs its voyage in the, in the water. And so that's what your tongue does. The strongest muscle in your body, men, are not your biceps that you, you're trying to work on it's your mouth it's your tongue your biggest muscle is below your nose and above your chin huh what are you doing with that muscle so again what i'm saying is my faith speaking so if i'm saying nothing i'm believing nothing let me take this a step further say so how you know that well hebrews eleven three says this by faith everybody say by faith We understand that the worlds were framed or created by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So God actually created the worlds with words. And I ended last week, if you remember, talking about this a little bit. You can go back to Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis chapter 1 is a chronicle of God's creation of our world as we know it. And seven times in Genesis 1, it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and various aspects of the created world came into being. And it all came into being with words. And, and, and that tells you something. Uh, everything exists in two uh, realms. Everything that is material existed, first of all, in the spiritual. Get, and we talked about that, remember? Remember? Everything you need has already been provided for by Jesus. All things that pertain to life and godliness, 2 Peter 1, right, For Natural life and spiritual life. Natural life, spiritual It's all available in God. Jesus has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 3 says, right. So what does that mean? Every answered prayer, every healing you need for your body, every financial situation every job you need everything you need with respect to answered prayer it exists with god everything to sustain your human life is available in god it's available right now and it's available by faith but it might not be where you live so you may see lack god's promise to provide for that lack. it all exists but it's in the spirit realm and god's given you a measure of the faith that he operates in to navigate through life with does that make sense I just like to make things real simple. A kid can understand that. So uh, words filled with faith bring what exists with God in the spirit world into the world you live. So, so you may need healing today. Well, that's available in Jesus. You may need financial provision. Maybe you need another job. Maybe you need to raise. Maybe, maybe you're believing God to bless your business. Whatever, you know, all that exists in God, right? Uh, it may be a circumstantial thing, and uh, circumstances are often not what we want, but that's where you just have to exercise faith and trust God, right? That's just the way it is. So again, uh, faith brings what God has said he will provide as your covenant person, the covenant Father God. He's promised to watch over your life and help you. Faith will bring it into your your personal, natural life. I want to give you a, an illustration. Now, Jesus, just before he went to the cross, he was He was uh, tooling around with his disciples, and I'm going to jump right in the story. Mark chapter 11, verse 12, and it says, "The next day, and I'll let you read all that went before. When they came, had come out from Bethany. Bethany is a few miles from Jerusalem. He was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves." for it was not the season for figs. So I had to look up the fig tree because that didn't understand me. Why would Jesus get all mad at a fig tree that didn't have any figs on it because it wasn't the time for figs? I said, there's something incongruent with that. What's going on, Jesus? And so I found out that uh, you know, fig trees lose their leaves around the De- our December time, and then by like March, April, they start you know budding leaves. And with the leaf, act- leaf actually comes the little flower that turns into a fig. And and in the formative stages, when the leaf first starts, there's this little tiny bud. And a lot of times they'll drop off the tree on the ground, and people will grab them and put them in a the bag and sell them at the market or eat them right there. <laughs> and she'll blow them off and eat them you know or eat them from the tree well he came to this tree and it was growing leaves but the buds for whatever reason just didn't produce right and he got pretty aggravated with it i guess he was somewhat hungry (laughs) when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs figs would come in like june Full, you like i love figs you like fig preserves come on jesus Verse fourteen. In response, Jesus said to it, "Let no one eat fruit from you ever again." Now you know if I was with Jesus, I'm said, "Okay, <laughs> this boy's talking to a tree. <laughs> no one eat fruit from you. That's not a person. That's a tree. I know it's alive, but it's not human. No one eat fruit of you ever." They looked at each other. He walked on in the city, you know, and that's when he cleaned out, you know, the uh, temple. They were selling their wares and making profit off of God and God did not like that. He doesn't like it today either, right? And so he did all that. Then then it says, and I'm skipping all that, Mark 11 verse 20, now in the morning. So so once he cleansed the temple in Jerusalem, they went back out of the city. You can read what I didn't put down. Uh, They went back out of the city, back into Bethany where they were, they passed by the tree he had cursed earlier in the day, they went to bed, they slept all night, then they got up, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, Mm. so it just took a day and that dude was drooping bad. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, teacher, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And so Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Now, you could translate this, have the faith of God, or or exercise the same faith that God exercises. So he's just teaching them a lesson. He's using a natural thing to teach a spiritual lesson. And so he says... Uh, verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, you may have never seen this, but something really interesting here. He said the word says, three times whoever says to the mountain be removed be cast into the sea doesn't doubt in his heart but believes those things he says will be done he'll have whatever he says he said believes one time have you noticed that one time one time why did he where did he put the emphasis he put the emphasis on the saying not the believing have you noticed that huh So so words, watch. Words are three times as important as believing. Do you get it? So if you never say it, you don't really believe it. And and then there's several little things here. You ever heard somebody say, well, so-and-so said that so much they believe it? Have you noticed what the media does? Uh, I guess I would go here. So... Have you seen this little, uh, there's this one little video you can click online and watch and it's got all these news people, have you seen it? And one starts and he makes a two-sentence statement and then another news person comes on from another city and makes a two-sentence statement and then uh, number three, number four, number 20, number 30, number, all of them are saying the same thing. Somebody telling them what to say. That's called brainwashing, y'all. That's called saying something so much, repeating it over and over and over till they actually believe it. If you live through COVID, you just experienced that. Because what they said wasn't completely true. But people believed it, right? Now that's the negative part. Positive part is you say, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible or not. Start saying you do. And you'll change what you believe in. Huh? So global government is going to use that principle, going to say something over and 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 over until people believe it. That's the negative use of what Jesus is talking about here, whoever says to a mountain. That's exercising your faith in God. And says and says, he'll have what he says, right? So again what I say about the various areas of life is my faith speaking, right? So see, that makes me think, so so what am I saying about the various areas of life? See, my faith, you say, well, I don't know where my faith is. Yes, you do. Check up on what you've been saying. So what are you saying about your health? Well, that just scared me to death. Shut up. Do you wanna have a heart attack by being surprised one day? I don't, how about you? huh you know some of my family members i go into a room they say and they try to scare me well you know i'm not gonna be scared to death i'm gonna be scared to life huh huh i laughed till i almost died well don't be saying that why don't you say i laughed till i almost lived all I'm saying is the enemy's programmed us to the negative, not the positive, right? So I've taken all these little colloquialisms out of my life decades ago. Because I, you know, life is full of them, right? I, I don't know, but see, what I say is my faith speaking. I must be losing my mind. Shut your mouth. <laughs> right? Say say what you believe. See, say say what you believe about. I I talk I talk to God about my body every single day. Because, you know, I noticed, I look at him, I'm not getting any younger, <laughs> you know. Now, I can tell the aging process is there. But, you know, let it happen. But you know what? As long as I'm here, I'm going to be healthy. Huh? Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-five: 25. As my days, so will my strength be. Right? I'm, ex- I'm expecting that. You say, well, you goofy. You can say what you want to about me. That's my body, not yours. gonna say what I want to about it. You can say yours is falling apart mine's staying together and we're gonna walk and talk and laugh and sing and dance and shout i noticed i could still ride my bike uh, mega miles i did friday in the heat and it was all right huh faith never outpaces your words words reveal what you believe what are you saying about your health your money your job huh your family, your marriage, your children, your future. See, what you say is your faith speaking. Well, I'm losing my mind. I must be, I can't remember, so I must be getting dementia. Shut up. Everybody forgets a word every now and then. Is that true? Yes. Susan and I laugh at each other, be eating something and say, what's so-and-so's name? I don't know They're so-and-so. <laughs> I, and you know what I start? I say, I'll tell you in a minute. About a minute passes and, oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Huh? Right? So again, faith. Faith and words go hand in hand. Let me make a statement this way. Faith calls. See, faith speaks. Faith says something. If you're in faith, talk what you believe. Does that make sense? Now, here's an illustration from Abraham. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you, speaking of Abraham, the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead, and this last phrase, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That is real good. Isn't that great? So, so so, is it Bible to call things that do not exist as though they did? Well, Abraham did. God did towards Abraham. Abram, you can look it up in the concordance. Abram means exalted father. Abram was 75 years old. His wife was 65. I've told the story a number of times here. And God changed his name. No longer will you be Abram. Abram, but you will be Abraham, father of a multitude. Whoa. You're going to have more kids than sand on the sea? He said, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) And stars in the sky. And God said, I bring it to pass. So see, when when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, he had to say constantly what he wasn't. Now think of it, 25 years, he said what he wasn't. Could you do that for 25 years? Your old grandma walking around, I believe in God. I can walk. I'm good. Well, you're going to have a baby. Well. <laughs> and Abram, you going to help her have a baby. Well. <laughs> 25 years. He introduces himself. What's your name? Abraham. Where's your youngins? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to have a bunch of them. I'm going to tell you right now. They're going to be more than you can, than you can count on the sea, sand on the seashore. You look up in the star, sky at night, they're going to be more than the star. Well, where are they at? God said I'd have him. Abraham's my name. God made him call himself what he wasn't until it happened. It happened when he was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. I still can't figure out a 90 year old woman having a baby. Listen, y'all, I've been in the room four times with my wife having babies. Like, Jesus, help me. I'm glad I'm not a woman. But a 90 year old woman, come on now. God can do amazing things. Would you agree? See, the point I'm making is God calls those things that are not as though they are. So while you're believing God to be healed, it feels like you're not healed. It, it seems like you're not healed. I mean, listen, uh, let me tell you what happened to me. When I was, let me tell you how I learned this. Um, y'all okay? Okay. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I worked for a grocery store. It was my first real job. I worked in tobacco fields prior to that. And then I got a real job, and I had hair down to my shoulders, so I had to whitewall my ears. You know what I'm talking about? Because I had, believe it or not, I, had, I actually had an afro. I have curly hair if I had hair. And I cut that stuff off, you know, I'm working at the grocery store. And uh, and so one of the part of my job was I, I used to work in the meat department, so I loved that part. But they said we want you to work in the grocery part. And I was going to school, college. They said we want you to grow, work in the grocery spot, uh, store part. So we had 45 foot trailers, four 45 foot trailers full of food every Thursday, that arrived at the Bilo store in Florence, South Carolina. That's where I worked. And uh, so one of my jobs, and this is before they had pallets and all the stuff that moved pallets, they actually stuck 45 feet, figure it out, a big old tractor-trailer truck load of goods, and they're stacked top to bottom, just stacked on top of each other. We had to put a, roll, a, a wheelie roller mechanism up in the back room all the way down the back room. We got aisles in the back room for all of the aisles in the store. And, and somebody on the truck's got to take all the stuff on the truck, and you just chuck it on that roller. Zzz hard as you can, fast as you. And we got men all over the roller and they're catching one, one guy's guiding them to the left or to the right and then all the way down the roller. Man, these guys are steady putting that stuff on these pallets that line up with the aisles in the grocery store. That's how they, you don't do it anymore that way. But anyway, I was doing this one day and I was chunking like 60 ah, pound bags of rice, 60, 70 pounds of, of, of different essentials and just pushing and one day, y'all, I went to get in my car. I noticed I felt bad. And I had a, a, a four wheel, I mean, a four in the floor, uh, stick shift. And uh, I went to push the clutch. Oh, Jesus, what? I... <laughs> my back was out so bad. I was 16. I could hardly press. To press the clutch, I'm like, Aah! and that was bad. And I finally kind of got over that. My sciatic nerve just tore it up, and I'm sure my vertebrae were out. Anyway, I finally got, when I came to Jesus, and that thing tore me up for a couple of years. When I came to Jesus and found out what that was, I laid my hands on my own back and said, God, I need you to heal. L4, L5, they're talking to me every day, (laughs) and it's real bad. I can't sleep, I can't walk, I can't sit. You know, I'm walking like, you know what? This is like? it's hard. It's terrible. And you know, God healed me. And every once in a while, all throughout the years, I've had to believe God for my back because of what I did when I was 16. Does that make sense? So, so what I'm saying is, faith calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And all through my life, every once in a while, L4 and L5, say, Remember us when you were 16? <laughs> Remember? And they'll just come out, you know. And, uh, and uh, back in 2000. Actually, it's December 9th, 2016 at 2 p.m. I uh, picked some stuff up. I don't know if I, I think I said this on my podcast. Uh, I picked some stuff up away from my body. I've got exercise equipment in a room upstairs. And I was rearranging the room. I just did wrong. I picked it up out here. You never do that. You pick up with your knees. I picked up this way, and I, L4 and L5 said, We're back <laughs> with a vengeance. And I went all of December. All of January, finally went to the doc. and said, Doc, I can't hardly think. I can't think to preach. I'm hurting. And y'all didn't know it because I hid it, but I'm telling you it hurt. My Lord Jesus, it hurt. And I had prayed for my back, said, God, help me. And, uh, but I, uh, the moral of that was every day I hurt. And uh, I'd go to lunch with people and say, you walking right ginger. One guy said, you're walking right gingerly on that, that one leg. I said, you can call it ginger whatever you want. <laughs> But I just want you to know that I believe I received healing for that stinking whatever it is, right there in Jesus' name. So I went and had an MRI, and sure enough, I popped out L four and L five. And that guy said, "Sir, you got you got three things you can do." I wanted to tell him I got four, but he said you can go let somebody uh, manipulate your muscles in your back, physical therapy, or you can go to a or you can have surgery. I can do surgery and fuse that together. I discounted that one pretty quickly. Once you cut it, I no, don't like that. I do want it another way. Or he said you can go to a chiropractor, huh. and uh, he'll do some stuff. I said, oh, thank you. But what I said, I'm going to believe God, but I could hardly sit in my car. I could hardly preach. It hurt. I just can't tell you. I was actually taking, uh, <sighs> this ain't good, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen a day. That ain't good for your liver. Would you agree? I'm just telling how bad it hurts. So I prayed for me, and I asked God to heal my back. And I did go to a chiropractor, and he just pulled my spine. He said there's a 70% chance. When I said that, when he said that, I said there's a 100% chance. And it worked, and I'm fine today. But, see, I've had to believe God. So call in those things that be not as though they are. Several times in my life that thing's messed up. And I just believe God sometimes it would take a month, sometimes two months, but it, it finally just straightened right up. But I know what it means to call those things that be not as though they were physical. You do the same thing for finances, for circumstances, for issues and challenges in life. Does that make sense? You got to act like God's word is true. Is that true? 1980, I had a job in uh, I was looking for a job in Tulsa when Susan and I moved there. We'd been married for nine months. You've heard my story. And there was this one grocery store that paid just a tremendous amount of money. They were in a union. And I wanted that job. Nobody else would pay nearly what they pay. They paid my man a half, a half more what everybody else would pay. Just amazing. And uh, I needed that job just to pay my way through school and pay my bills and pay my car payments and blah blah your rent and all that. We'd just been married, and uh, so I asked the Lord for that. And uh, and every day, this see faith calls those things that be not as though they were. And I had a I had a cedar wall in the third story apartment that we rented in Tulsa, Oklahoma. On Memorial Drive, I'll never forget. And I would walk in the living room. Susan was out looking for a job, and I was believing God and looking around and going to these, this particular. Um, uh, grocery store for jobs they had 23 in Tulsa and while I went out looking I'd come back and I just walk back and forth and I would say Lord I just want to thank you that you said in your word whatever you desire when you pray believe you receive and you'll have now I've asked you for a job at that particular grocery store because they pay maximum money and I need the maximum money to do what I'm doing and it looked absolutely impossible and what I'm saying is my thoughts said you'll never get that you're an idiot you're an idiot to think that you're going to get that job. You out of how many thousands want that job? A lot of people want to work there that are your age because they pay so much. It would be equivalent. I've told, said this before, 30 bucks an hour ain't bad. And then back then that much, you know, you, you know, of course, inflation, it wasn't 30 an hour, but compared to 30, maybe more than 30 an hour now. So I believe God, but see what I did, I walked back and forth. I said, Father, thank you for the job at such and such a store. Thank you. Lord, I just want to thank you for my job. Thank you so much for providing for me. Thank you for giving me favor with the store managers. Thank you for the job. Then I was, you know, I was just 20, uh, 21 years old. Lord, thank you for the job. Lord, thank you for the job. Thank you for the job. You get up the next morning, the first thought in my mind, you'll never get that. You're going to go, you're gonna have to go sell, you pick up bottles on the side of the road and sell them for pennies. I said, shut up. I believe I receive. Lord, thank you for my job. See, you've got to discount your thoughts. And you got to say what you believe out loud. You hear what I'm saying? You have to say what you believe out loud. And so I would do it as much as throughout the day. I'm driving my car. I'm going to an appointment to meet someone about that job. I say, Lord, thank you for the job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. for. You. I'm sitting in church, you know. We're about to give some money. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're spending all our savings now that we saved up for school. I'm writing a check and the enemy's saying, you're going to spend up all your money have to cry to your daddy. I say, shut up. I believe I received the job. And you know what? One day... Long story short, I got the job. Now, let me tell you why I tell that story. See, that was a formative uh, time in my life. And since then, I mean, I've done that hundreds, if not thousands of times over the various issues of life, whether it's buying cars, selling cars, buying houses, selling houses, whether it's believing God for ministry, believing God for a church building. You know, we believe God for this building. I stood up in the other building for probably seven years, many of you don't realize this, I would stand up in the pulpit and I would say, you know what, one day I'm going to stand up in front of you and say we have acquired new property because we outgrew what we had. And I kept saying, if you remember, I kept saying, one day I'll stand up in front of you and tell you that we have new property. And one day I stood up and said, it's ours. Look at there, I've signed on the dotted line, it's ours. See, you can have what you say." Now listen, most people are saying what they have instead of having what they say. Jesus said you can have whatever you say. What are you doing? Are you saying what you have? Or are you having what you say? Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain, y'all getting this? Whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes what he says. Will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. He didn't say, say what you have. He said, have what you say. We got it backwards. What are you saying? Are you saying God is meeting my needs? God is blessing me. I have peace, I have rest, I don't have anxiety, I don't have depression, I have peace, I have love, I have joy, I have favor, I have wisdom, I have finances, I have health, I have everything, and you don't have a bit of it. Jesus didn't say, say what you have. He said, have what you, you can have what you say. So what you doing with your mouth? Really? I guess y'all just thinking. I'm going to stop with this one. I actually have one more. I'm going to stop with this one. James said this, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity to people who talk negatively. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. Everybody say course of nature. That is not what you think it is. You're going to see in a minute. And it's set on fire by hell. See, what the enemy does is he taps, you know, a wholesome tongue as a tree of life, Proverbs says, right? He tries to tap your tree of life and make it a tree of death. If all you're talking is doubt, fear, unbelief, lack, need, disease, sickness, you're not talking God's way. Satan's trying to kill your tree of life, resurrect your tree of life. Say what God says about you. So he says, "Here is set on fire. What's this? Where is it? Oh, it is. Um, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature." And I'm going to end with this course. The word course, tracos. It's the Greek word for wheel. All right. And so he calls it the course or the wheel, the round of nature. And, and then the word nature is the Greek word genesis. Have you got that up there? On the notes? I put it in y'all's notes, right? Anyway, hopefully they'll get it. Is the Greek word uh, there it is. But but I want you to look down at the very bottom. That word Genesis. Genesis means beginning. It means it means uh it means the source of something. Actually. So what he say? it means the origin of something, the genesis of life, the origins, the beginning of life. So when it says the wheel of life, it's talking about from the time you're born until the time you die, a wheel is turning. Your life is moving. Your life is moving from, from, from childhood to adolescence to adulthood to maturity to one-day death. From the time you're born until the time you die, you're going through the circle of life and there's nothing you can do to keep that circle from happening. But what you do with your mouth determines what happens in that circle of life. Did you hear what he just said? The tongue is a fire. The tongue is a set on fire among our members. It defiles the whole body. He's talking to people who don't talk right. He says the tongue is set on fire. He says the tongue sets on fire. The wheel of a person's life from the time you're born until the time you die. Your words determine who you are, what you have, where you go, and how it is when you're getting there. So what are you doing with your mouth? I mean, what are you doing with your words? Years and years and years ago, I I got a hold of it. I had a very corrupt mouth. I could cuss as good as anybody, so to speak, and use, uh, you know, uh, words that were just so unseemly. And and then, but not only that, some people, they they, they don't have a potty mouth. They don't say, you know, vulgar words and you vulgarness, but you know what? They talk doubt and unbelief. Did you know God called in Numbers 13 doubt and unbelief when the spies came back to spy out the land of Canaan? Ten had a... A negative report, only two people had a good report. He called that negative report an evil report. Did you know when you talk doubt and you talk unbelief, you're talking evil? You think somebody just, just you know, curses, that's just awful. It's almost just as bad to say, say evil things or negative things and talk doubt and unbelief. How much doubt and unbelief do you allow out of your mouth? Question. Does this challenge you? To make you think, go back through your life. Take a walk today if it's cooler, maybe. Take a walk and go, go think about how you're talking about your health, your body, your heart, your mind, your relationships, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren, your job, your business, your finances, your relationships, your circumstances, yourself. What are you saying? Only say what you Want. Y'all are real quiet. you get this? If, if you get a hold of this, it'll transform your life. No kidding. Now, when I first started this journey, I mean, I was constantly saying, God, I, I, forgive me for saying that. I've been, That's a habit of mine. That's a habit of me saying something fear-filled and negative. And so I repent. Forgive me for saying that. Help me not to say that again. I don't want to believe that at all. In fact, here's what I believe. See, I had to start doing that with my health and I started saying Jesus took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses and when he took my sins and his own body on the tree because that's what the Bible says. And I would say God's not giving me a spirit of fear but of power loving of a sound mind. And I would say but my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by christ jesus i would say things like i'm the head not the tail i'm above and not beneath everything i put my hand to prospers i'm blessed everywhere i go i have a covenant with god he meets all of my needs all of the time i have wisdom to do everything i need to do all of the time every day But see, I had to program myself there and my negatives would naturally come out of my mouth when I first came to Jesus. And every time they came out, said, Lord, I don't believe that. I I just ask you, forgive me for that. I repent of that doubt, that fear, that unbelief I resisted in Jesus' name. How many get that? That's where you start. You get that? And then you replace the fear, replace the doubt, replace the unbelief with faith. You get it? It's amazing, Y'all. This will transform your life. So, in the I said all that. Say in the future, when they say, "Well, you can't have but three cans of, of beans and no meat," you're gonna have to eat bugs. I will say, "My God meets all my needs. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have protein. I'm gonna have vegetables. I'm gonna have fresh vegetables. I'm gonna have good food." And I'm going to say, God, if you got to make it out of thin air, I don't care. I believe I received that. How many hear what I'm saying? Or if they say, well, you can't spend unless you get that mark in your body, unless you, unless you do what we say. Everything's going to digital currency, and now we're going to tell you when you spend, how you spend. I'm going to say, God, you make a way where there is no way. You said you would, you would uh, you'd make the crooked place straight. You said you would make a, a, a river in the desert you said you would, the the desert would blossom like a rose so whatever you got to do my god meets my needs How many hear what I'm saying That's what we're going to do to exercise faith before Jesus comes back. Somebody says, he's going to come and take all your stuff? You say, you know what, God? You got more stuff than I can ever handle, so whatever I need, you're going to provide and supply. So instead of being worried and fear-filled about everything, you're going to be full of faith and you'll talk like God is your father. He's your covenant father. He's your provider. He's your shepherd. He's your lover. How many get it? That's how you live your life, walking to faith. So I want to encourage you, start now. Examine yourself. Let a person examine himself. Y'all get something out of this? So Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that the Word of God would infiltrate us in a very, very strong way today. Help every single person to leave this place, examine their life, and, and make the changes where necessary with what they're saying. Lord, you don't want us to say what we have. We we can have what we say. We say what you say about us. Bring it to pass in every life. How many got it?